0: So BHP and Rio Tinto are both elevate reconciliation action plan organisations, and we certainly welcome um, their support, the support of the Uluru statement, and also for them to for speaking up and not only putting their support behind the statement, but I guess particularly with uh, Andrew Mackenzie's speech, really starting to unpack why this is important and why um, all Australians should actually take the time out to understand what's in the statement to to address, as he says, the unfinished business that still remains with Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people.
1: This is, from what I can find, is the first case of a commercial operation or corporate enterprise showing support for the statement from the heart. What role, in your opinion, should commercial and corporate entities have in the campaigning for a voice to parliament?
0: Look, I think... Um, uh, corporations and all organisations within um, our society, I think, have a role. We talk in, at Reconciliation Australia that reconciliation is everybody's business and it's about what is the kind of society that we want to be, what's the kind of country that we want to live in, and governments as well as businesses, as well as not for profit sectors, as well as community sector and Aboriginal community organisations, we all have a say in all of this and I think. What I find is the magic for reconciliation is, is when people come together, when they uh, listen deeply, and, and Andrew McKenzie talked about that a lot in his breakfast, about listening deeply, listening to what came through that statement from the heart of, um, at Uluru and actually hearing it and thinking about what can I do within my sphere of influence, what can I do to bring to bear, um, to demonstrate that I've heard what's been said and that I can actually put some agency behind that.
1: Do you think other entities can take an example? Uh, when when Andrew McKenzie talks about listening and being able to uh, hear what Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people have to say in regards to this issue, what do you see is involved in that? What are the activities that corporations and corporate, en- corporate entities need to do then? So uh,
0: corporate entities and businesses and organisations, they... Um Employ hundreds of thousands of Australians, and they they have um, an opportunity to open up and elevate, I guess, voices that perhaps sometimes are not heard, particularly Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander voices. And when it comes to BHP and Rio Tinto, I mean, obviously part of their business is about um, is operating on Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander land, and so there's there's, there's real stakeholders involved here, not only as Don't venture partners, not only as business partners, um, but as employees and as as other clients. So there's a real imperative for them to speak up. And what I think they can do is, I guess, amplify or give voice to, I guess, sometimes the voices as as um, the Uluru Statement talks about.
1: Mining companies such as BHP and Rio Rio Tinto do employ Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people as well within their workforce. And so I suppose it is uh, incumbent on them to be able to to address issues like this. So in that sense, should other commercial entities and corporate uh, bodies do the same? Should they maybe have a focus also at an initial stage in employing more Aboriginal people and being able to step towards actually making decisions such as supporting the statement from the heart?
0: Certainly that's what we found through the Reconciliation Action Plan or RAP program. Um, We see more and more organisations and companies thinking about not just employing more Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people but really starting to address some of the bigger issues or longer term issues. So it's not just about young graduates, although that's fantastic and supporting them through um, scholarships and whatnot, but it's also about um, thinking about how can they potentially pay a part in long-term unemployment? How can they um, bring business stimulus to perhaps remote and regional areas where there isn't necessarily that that business stimulus um, that you get in in larger cities? We're seeing that more and more and also when it comes to the Uluru Statement and and certainly the um, Joint Select Committee's uh, most recent report and, and um, submission phase, there are a number of businesses, and including the, the Business Council of Australia, who put forward their submissions, basically supporting um, what came out of the uluru Statement, but also why um, addressing these unfinished businesses, First Nations people, is so important, not only from a social point of view, but also from a business point of view, Um you're creating great agreements about creating certainty. It's about addressing these issues so that Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people can become part of the broader Australian society, and that they have much to contribute, both not only from a, um, a social point of view but also f- uh, financial. And all of this just creates a stronger Australia. Uh,
1: Karen, you mentioned earlier that mining companies do work on Aboriginal land quite a lot and that that it's, you know, important that they have, uh, you know, good relations with uh, Aboriginal people. Uh, And there are many examples of that. However, mining companies at times do also have rocky relationships as well. And there's a lot of work that goes into being able to uh, work with First Nations people on this land. Are you concerned that this could be a case in regards to companies wanting to look good as well in the eyes of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people by making this statement regarding the statement from the heart?
0: I understand where that concern comes from, but particularly in the case of BHP and Rio Tinto, um, I've certainly observed much deeper relationships that have happened even in the last 10, 20 years. Um, in the, in his speech, Andrew Mackenzie referenced that, you know, part of what was in the um, Uluru Statement was also about truth-telling and where does that sit? And I guess he also indicated that I guess BHP needs to think about its own um, truth-telling in its um, history of its company from the very beginning and the impact that um, that's had on First Nations people and while relationships may be good now and, and certainly better than they, they were previously, that doesn't negate or stop that perhaps in the past those relationships haven't been so, um, so good. So I can't speak for the whole industry, but I do think that things have changed significantly, and I think that this is another step in that um changing dynamic and changing relationship.
1: Some critics, Karen, would point out that the corporate sector being involved in such a campaign, uh, which also includes many grassroots community members and groups, can compromise. Uh, things uh, could possibly compromise a voice to Parliament. In your opinion, how could these two worlds work together?
0: Well, I think, um, again, Andrew Mackenzie said it best when he talked about deep listening. Um, In terms of the statements from both BHP and Rio Tinto and other uh, corporate organisations who have supported or, or provided submissions, they haven't seeked to lead the conversation or say what they think is most important, but to hear what the voices of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander Australians uh, was saying, particularly that came through um, the, the dialogues that happened around the country and also the, um, the uh, constitutional convention that happened at Uluru. And essentially they're just saying, we're hearing what you're saying, this plea for us to listen, this plea to reset the, the relationship and, and provide agency and voice to the voiceless. And all they're doing is backing that in and saying, yep, yeah, we agree with you and we're going to do whatever we can to help with that.
1: Now, we have heard about an investment from uh, the two companies. They're putting in $1 million to raise awareness among the wider community about the voice to parliament as well. Um, From what I understand, it's something called the Cape York Partnerships Uluru Education Project. Do you think more investment needs to be put into things like education projects for the wider community, non-Indigenous people in Australia regarding what the voice to parliament may look like? I mean, considering there has been a lot of discussion of what it actually should look like, I mean, we hear messages from politicians saying it's a third chamber, while other arguments say it's not.
0: Look, we all know that um, what's been discussed today around the voice to parliament, that it isn't a third uh, chamber of parliament and that it wouldn't. Um, undermine the sanctity of the the parliamentary process. And I think having more education out there for everyone, not just for non-Indigenous Australians, but for all Australians to really understand what's being proposed, what could be possible, and how this actually takes us forward. So I'm always for um, more funding and more support and resources put towards education. That's essentially what we do at Reconciliation Australia. It's really about helping unpack what we're talking about. How do we put First Nations, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Island people at the centre of um, our narrative of, of a mature nation as Australia? And how do we, um, I guess, unpack fears or ill-informed positions for the broader community?
1: What do you think of the argument that says addressing issues such as health uh, within the Aboriginal population, suicide rates, within remote communities should take a priority over campaigns such as the Statement from the Heart. Uh, we hear, we've we heard this argument actually quite recently as well. Should BHP and Rio Tinto look towards helping with these issues in these communities as well?
0: I think you'll find that companies like BHP and Rio Tinto already do a lot through their um, operations, through the joint ventures that they have with traditional owner groups and the agreements that they put in place. Uh, it's not just about jobs. It is about investment in those communities. It is about um, environmental protection, and with that also comes uh, quite often social investment as well. Um, so I think that that is already happening. I think we're mature enough to be able to have a range of conversations. Um, it's not an either-or thing. Uh, we know that Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander community-led organizations often have the best solutions um, and answers for for what needs to be done within particularly health and education spheres. Um, But also we need to have voices that will speak up to decision makers, to government, to parliament that can influence those policies that do affect Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people. So I don't think it's an either or thing. I think they can all be progressed at the same time because ultimately it's all about improving the lives of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people.
1: Lastly, Karen, how confident are you that other commercial entities or corporate um, bodies will put their support behind the statement from the heart? Is this just the first step of many possible companies saying, yes, we're going to get behind this campaign?
0: I definitely feel that it is. Um, we certainly saw during the days of the recognised campaign that there was a lot of um, corporate support, lots of volunteers, people getting out there and starting to, um, back in the old days of the expert panel, unpacking what was in that report and, and spreading the word. And I, I, I'm fairly certain that we'll see more companies um, and organisations coming forward and, and supporting this as we take it to the next phase.
1: Karen, thank you very much for your time.
0: My pleasure.